You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedians Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and today I'm talking to Ross Noble, who many of you will know, many, many of you in the UK certainly and in Australia. I'm sure he tours extensively. Um, and those of you listening further afield, uh, some of you might know him too as uh, an incredible improviser. I mean, what he does is just going to blow your mind, really. If you're not familiar with him, he's able to release DVDs that have six or seven shows from the same tour with almost no repeat of material because he just opens his mouth and it comes out. He's going to tell us all about that in just a second. Um, as you'll hear, he's a fan of the show and he asked to come on. So uh, I was really, really grateful to have him. We spoke for about two hours uh, and I just don't have the bandwidth, whatever that is, <laughs> to release the entire two hour thing uh, as a weekly episode. So I have split it into a two parter. Um, so I never know whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, whether you're like, oh, come on, man, put the whole two hours out. I just can't. It's too, uh, it's too memory-ish. Um, uh, ask a friend to explain it to you. <laughs> Someone explained it to me and I, I loosely understand. Um, but, uh, yeah, so equally you might be thinking, well, this is fantastic because I get half of it now. It's going to end on a cliffhanger um, and then I'll get to listen to it next week. So uh, this is the first part of a really invigorating conversation with a very funny man indeed. This is Ross Noble. So we're here in, uh, in Birmingham in a very swanky hotel. And uh, I'm. Did you have to mention it was a swanky? Yeah, it is a swanky <laughs> hotel. And uh, not only is it a swanky hotel, but what I love is that, like, a, like any road act, you haven't unpacked your stuff's no. all in a bag. <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah, exactly. two nights here and off I fuck. Yeah. Um, you're you're on tonight at yes. the New Alexandra Theatre, yes. and you're on in what is it now? It's four thirty. You're sound checking. Yeah, about half six. About half six, and then the show's at what at eight? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So where are we in the process of your? Getting ready for a show. Uh, I don't. I'm terrible. I don't really get ready for a show in terms of I can be sort of. Well, no, that's not true. Actually, I go. Uh, I'll go to the theatre about yeah about half six seven o'clock, and then the the tour manager will go off and get Nando's, and then bring me my Nando's, and then or if there isn't a Nando's in the town. Uh, I have two whole chickens. That's my rider. <laughs> What's your Nando's order? Uh, I have... To, oh, well, I go a bit off the books. I go... Uh, do, do you know the Perry Tamer? 
No, I you see, I, do, I eat a lot of Nando's, but yeah, I, I'm yeah, strictly uh, uh, lemon and herb. Oh, Manuel right. well, okay. mango and lime. I like mango and lime. Peritema is what they have for kids. You know how, like, even the mild is quite spicy. Oh yeah, okay. So peritema is this sort of slightly uh, sugary type sauce that's it's basically off the kids' menu. Okay. But if you sort of if you say peri, oh, that's the hang on. Sorry. That's the... Um, for the uh, for the benefit of the listener, uh, <laughs> Ross has just received uh, a delivery from a charming young man in a waistcoat uh, of a I think that's a tuna niçoise salad, it is, it is, and yes. uh, it's colossal. Would you like it? I uh, no, I'm fine, thanks, man. I, I it looks it. good though. It's got those kind of poached eggs where they're sort yeah. of you can tell that they're still soft in the middle, and then. Mm. I ordered it quite a long time ago, <laughs> and it's taken this long. The uh, the first mm. half of this interview will commence with the sound of <laughs> Niswa's <laughs> crunching in the back. Probably going, there's no blood, a stroke. Just, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Right, I'm going to leave that. Oh, um, don't, I mean, don't, don't, you no, know, no, eat, no. eat when you need to. God, no. no. How fat is that? The fact that I was in the middle of talking about having chicken delivered <laughs> and then more food around. <laughs> um, yeah, so I get me food delivered and then I, um, uh, uh, I about about seven o'clock, and then um, I'll do a sound check. Uh, doors open half seven. About um, uh, about quarter to eight, I put a shirt on, strap, get my mic all on, you know, okay. t- tape it to my head, and then um, sit there just reading the paper and talking okay. to the, to the uh, tour manager. Okay, and then. Uh, it's quite good because I've got like I've got like a bit of a crew, you know. So we all just sort of um, the thing about touring, like the thing about sort of touring on your own, is this thing of having every if you, you it can be like really lonely because you just end up it's just you on your own. So so I've got like there's five of us. So I've basically replaced what would be acting a dressing room. <laughs> I've just replaced them with you know I've got a guy that does the merch. I've got a tour manager, production manager. Uh, another guy that does my um, bits and bobs, uh, electronic stuff. So, yeah, so we just basically, we just all sit around and then... Excellent. And, and do then, you have similar conversations to that you, those you'd have in a dressing room? Are you sort of bitching, yeah, bitching yeah. about motorways? And... No, 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 there's very little bitching at the moment. There's um, uh, two of the crew are... Um, uh, they basically have this this um, obsession with sort of like weird um, hypothetical sexual situations. <laughs> uh, the last of which was basically one of them. It's a long story, but the the tour manager um, uh, we're convinced <laughs> we're convinced that he got pleasured by uh, a ghost. <laughs> so, okay, it's a long story, but basically we were. It's I can't tell you the full story because it's a bit too weird, but we were at. at essentially a haunted house and he was having a piss and then so it's just developed into okay. the, that he was pleasured by a ghost and we won't leave it alone so it's this constant thing of of him <laughs> so basically so that is like backstage in the club yeah, you're, yeah. you're bullying if you've picked a member of the team yeah and then and then we've got this sort of this ongoing thing about if you had sex with the um if you had sex with uh like an invisible woman, what would be the what would be the visual effect of it on your downstairs? Uh, I like, gotcha. Would, okay. Would your, yeah, bits, yeah. would your bits disappear? Or and this has been <laughs> this has been going on now. We're about a month into the tour, and we've just so it's basically 
uh, ghosts and invisible women. So it's going to sound like to any of your fans listening to yeah. this that this is a continue or not a continuation, but it's like this is exactly what you're doing on stage. Sometimes I'll go on stage and the audience has no idea that I'm continuing the conversation <laughs> from the dressing room. But, yeah, so I'll sometimes go on and deliberately, deliberately put some of the stuff... Essentially, what I'm saying is, is I've got a load of funny mates who I just nick ideas yeah. of. <laughs> yeah. But stage. we're straight into yeah. the process. So that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we just sort of... <laughs> we sit around, but I'm, I'm sort of quite... Um, I'm quite laid back about the whole thing, so sometimes I can be like... It can be like two minutes too, and like I'll you know if I've got people come around beforehand, I can just be chatting, and my tour managers going, we're literally starting in, you know like we're starting in five minutes, and I go all right okay, and then I'll just wander through and go on. So I'm not like one of these that sort of you're not pacing up and down, not you're not going of, right. What to get all the uh, weird ideas I, in order? I, do, I sort of, I do pace up and down, but that's more just to I I, I have to go behind the. I have to go behind the set okay. and sort of stand there to hear the audience because sometimes it's this weird thing of like if the if the um, uh, oh, lovely uh, if the um, show relay is coming through the speaker in the dressing room and I can hear the music and I can hear the, mm, the, the bustle uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, sort of you can hear the crowd I'm there that then I'm I'm there going all right yeah okay right it's gig happening but if if you get to a place where for whatever reason they haven't got the show really on or there's some sort of... Or you can't hear the... You know, if you're miles away or you've gone for a dressing room that hasn't got one, I can. I, sometimes I can be in there and he can come in and go five minutes and I'll go, oh, God, now I haven't even got my shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's that's pretty much the... Um, yeah, the sort of build-up. The bit, It's not like... I've, I've never really been one of these people who sort of, like... Spends all day going. Oh God! Like, oh my God! I've got a show to do. It's always just. And this is this is particularly this is particularly interesting given the nature of the show you do. So for people who haven't seen your shows oh. before, like, it might be people listening in far yeah. off distant lands that you've not yeah, toured. Yeah, yeah. What you do is, I mean, you, you're basically your own genre, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've now obviously the danger of this podcast is is that you start going up your own ass. So I don't. I don't. Um, I don't really define what I do because then it just makes me sound like I'm being a dick. So. Can you sound? Can you for us? Because it's this show. And, <laughs> and, and, and as, I, as we've not mentioned on the show yet, I'm uh, very gratified, very pleased that you're a listener of the show. And you yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. You emailed me with the correct code phrase. Yes, that's saying right. it, it proves you're a listener. So thank you. Well, for I that. actually was going to. Uh, I was going to. I don't know if I did in the end. I said I was going to make some sort of references to. To getting it on with your daughters, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. and then I just sort of said, and I thought, oh god, I hope nobody's <laughs> hacking into my email. <laughs> it's a tough just, one to explain. Just, yeah. So, so given that it's us, right, can you okay. give me a phone? Go there, be a dick about it. Well, it's difficult because here's the thing, right? And and the thing that, like, when people talk about, um, like, what I do, there's certain things that come up to me, like like labels that people want to put on it, and I'm quite. Uh, uh, <laughs> this Go one, on. You're, you're gonna have to edit out me just thinking. Um, uh, can I just say as well, right? Having listened to this podcast loads of times mm. before as well, if anyone's tuned into this and they've tuned in bit specifically because I'm on and not for the podcast, 
there's going to be nothing funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's yeah, yeah. No, I will see nothing funny in the next bit uh, because the, that's the thing. When I talk about comedy, it's like the dullest thing ever. Uh, so what would it... Well, here's the thing. I, you were talking about the labels that people put yeah, on Yeah, yeah, your... yeah. People want to sort of like, you know, they, they want to like, you know, surreal and, uh, you know, improv and they want to put, you know, all these different things. And, and I, I've always, I don't, basically, I just want people to come along and see the show. Like, they're just coming to see stand-up. They're just coming to see a stand-up comedian. You know, it's a bit like when you sort of, uh, you know, if you went to see, say, I don't know, see, you went to see, see Billy Connolly, right? And again, it's like, I know it's a, 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 a dangerous sort of drawing comparisons or whatever, but you wouldn't go along to see Billy Connolly and go, I'm going to go along and see Billy Connolly, the, you know, you might see a Scottish comedian. You know, sure. They might, you know, you would just... You're not going to say, I, I fancy some anecdotalism tonight. Yeah, exactly, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. So, you know, you sort of... And, and even sort of, even people that kind of... I was thinking it's... Uh, I get a bit wound up when people go, even like, oh, he's a political comedian. You know, people that sort of set their stall out as this thing. And even though what I do is a thing, mm. I, I quite... Um, I don't want people to go... I know some people probably come along and go, we're going because of that. Mm. Essentially, if you haven't seen me before, it's me, uh, it's it's stand-up, but it's it's me sort of playing. That's, the, that's what I've sort of boiled it down to. It's me just... Uh, it's dicking about is what it is, but it's sort of... Um, it's it's sort of uh it's it's loose it's anecdotal it's uh improvised it's um uh it's, I, it's really hard to it's a what, th- it's if, sort of a, it's a thing it's it's a it's basically it's just me taken about <laughs> um but it's weird cuz um yeah, no, go on. God, Does I was going to say, we're just, no, no, go yeah, we get absolutely, we're zeroing in on it. Is but what right? is it that differentiates it to seeing someone else dick about? Like, we've seen someone no, kind but, of but, but again, compare that's, on stage. Yeah, and, but I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair to put that on. I don't think I should be the one to define it because it's one of those things where that then implies that basically I decided that when I first started, I tried really hard to be what I thought a comic was supposed to be, to you know, because I thought that's what an audience wants. But what I and then and also to try and find like a voice, you know, to oh, am I this sort of comedian? Am I, am I uh, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, am I am I high energy? Am I low energy? Am I deadpan? Am I this? Do I sound like this? Do I? And I was sort of you know try all these different things, and then there was like a there was a point where I kind of went. You know what? I won't be any of that. I won't try and do that. I'll just go on there and I'll just be a sort of an everyman, uh, you know, I'll just sort of be myself, which in my head I thought, well, that's just this sort of, what is it? There's nothing, there's no thing there. There's nothing, that's just like every other sort of, you know, every other stand up that you see. It wasn't until I started doing that that people went, you know what you're doing, you know that's what you do. And I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> and, and, and really it was just, I think what I do, it's sort of, it's sort of come out of, 
in a way, it's 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 sort of just. Um, it wasn't like I sat down and went, "I'm going to do this thing," mm. and it's going to be, you know, as you put it, like my own genre or whatever. Sure. It's one of those things where it sort of comes from how I got to where it is now. It's it's the, it's all these sort of layers that have come to that thing, and so it's very hard for me to go. This is my, this is my mission statement. This is yeah. this is what I do. I, because yeah. it's it's just it's like layer on layer and layer mm. of like of years of of just kind of going. Oh well, this interests me. Oh, that would be fun to do. I'll just do this now. Oh, and then the gigs that I've done and the type of performance and it, it it's sort of it's it's sort of it, it's organically turned into this thing. And it's very hard for me to. It's, I know this is a real cop out of an yeah, answer, not but, it, all, not but it's very hard for me to go. This is what I do sure. because what I do has become. It's one of those things where it, it's become far more. I don't think about you know. I think about what I'm doing, but it's not like um, you know. Some people sit down and they go, "I'm going to do this." I'm you know. I'm going to be a political comedian, or I'm going to be this sort of comedian. And that's not how it works. Completely gone the other way. It's become mm. this sort of intuitive thing that I've I've sort of got to. And then people go. It's only when people review the show, or yeah. when people come to it who've never seen me before, or they bring friends along, and they go, you know, and those people go, what? what the, how did? They, if you have it, you know, if you haven't seen the sort of development of it, it's it's just this thing. Yeah. And it's and it's one of those things where. You know, it's not like somebody can come along, and that's what's good because I've sort of future-proofed myself in a way. Um, it's not like somebody starting to do stand-up can come along and go, "I'm going to do that," because yeah. you can't. Because you can't sort of. <laughs> sounds really, again. Go on, go sounds, on. Sounds just fr- this, this is a safe space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things where it'd be very hard to to just sort of shortcut. To what I yeah, do, yeah. because you'd sort of have you could, you know you could do it, but it's it's all about how you get. To, does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think what I think yeah. what you're describing is um, the process of an in inverted commas finding your voice. Yeah. I think it sounds like you were sidetracked, as I think so many people are, yeah. myself included. I, I am going through this. I think at the moment is you you. The process of finding your voice, it's almost like you feel as a newer comic, like you have to decide who you are yeah. and then go and do the thing you've decided to do. And actually, you let go of it and you go, oh, fuck this, I'm just going to do yeah. what, I'm just going to be me. And then you go, oh, for Christ's sake, it was there all along, that's, exactly. that's the thing. Exactly, but also I think it's harder now, more than ever, it's harder now um, to allow yourself to... The pressure now... To be fully formed mm-hmm. straight away yeah. is is almost sort of ridiculous, you know. And there's there's a few, you know, there's a few comics who have come along, you know, in the past few years who are who are great comics, uh, who have sort of come along fully formed, and what they did, you know, they sort of they've arrived, and you know, you go, oh, that's who they are, that's what they do, but the end result isn't necessarily as interesting as. What they will be in yeah. 
20 years' time. Or is where they, where they would end up were they not suddenly being rewarded financially and with audiences it's, for the decisions they've made. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's not to say what the... You know, I mean, you know, to be fair, you look at somebody like... I mean, like Peter, Peter Kier's classic example. Mm. Like, Peter Kier, literally, he came fully formed. There was no... You know, like, you, you see, you know, Peter doing an open spot is what you would see now in an arena. There was no... Um, you know, there was no sort of, of you know, finding his voice and all mm-hmm. the rest of it. But actually, you know, that was, you know, but what he does is 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 so, you know, it's, it's so sort of perfectly formed. It's not like he's, it's not like he's there going, oh yeah, but what I really want to do is is yeah. you know, I really want to get to the the angst underneath this. He doesn't care sure, about that. Sure. So you know, so. Yeah, so that's sort of um, that's you know it's a good thing, it's a bad thing, but you know, like I say, yeah, you, you sort of going going through that to to arrive. But there again, you know, you get people like um, uh, like Rob Newman, you know, like Rob Newman. You couldn't find a more, you know, you couldn't find a more accessible. Um, you know, he was an impressionist. He used to do all the, you know, he used to come out and do you know impressions, and then he was on a uh, a, a you know a youth comedy you know Mary Whitehouse experience where it was all very much uh, you know it was appealing to a, a sort of a teen type audience mm. and it was great what they were doing and all the rest of it but then he you know he got there and then there was the switch and he went oh actually and then he went and found the... it, that's really rare isn't it for someone to go this is this is I'm being rewarded here I'm I'm being told by yeah, the industry yeah. and the bank balance that I'm doing the right thing. And to actually yeah. go, nope, I want to nip this in the bud, change, do something else and learn. I, I remember um, in a sort of a smaller context, Joe Wilkinson. I don't know if you know Joe yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, 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 we started around the same actually. time. Right. And, um, yeah. and he definitely did a thing where he was starting to get paid and starting to do well in clubs and just went, it's, wow, what am I doing? Right, what am I doing? Okay. I'm doing the wrong thing here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave my agent. I'm going to stop being paid and I'm going to go back to exploring and finding what I do. But, As a result, he's now found something... But, really interesting. But what I love about him, I'm a big fan of his actually. What what I love about him is the fact that he's he's almost done that thing that, um, in a way, sort of similar to Harry Hill, of doing something that that flies in the face of mainstream, you know, the, the the mainstream idea of what a comedian should be, and then you know with the stuff that he did on the count, you know, the the count, yeah, the count, yeah, comedians in Canada, yeah, and. Um, because of that, um, and I haven't seen him on it, but I, I saw an ad, and the fact that he's been booked to do Celebrity Squares. Now, yeah. now I love that. I love the fact that, like, he's gone, I'm going to do the most, you know, I'm going to go completely in the face of the mainstream. And then the mainstream turns around and goes, oh, he's really good on that countdown show. Yeah. Should yeah. we book him for Celebrity Squares? And then all of a sudden, you know, and then it's... He's doing it on his own terms. He's doing it on his own terms, and, yeah. and that's, I think that's brilliant. I love that. Um, and, you know, Harry Hill's exactly the same, you know? You know, you, you sort of watch... Uh, I always thought, I always thought uh, you know, Harry Hill and, and also the, the Little Britain lads as well, you know? If you go back 15, 20 years, you'd look at their acts and just go, there's, there's no way they're going to be mainstream entertainers. That's yeah. just, you know, you know, clubs, people just sort of splitting rooms and stuff, and then all of a sudden... They're, uh, you know, they become the most mainstream entertainers on telly, still doing 
what they do. And I think that's sort of for anyone who's... And I didn't think of Joe Wilkinson, but yeah, I think anyone that's sort of, you know, desperate to... Is lucky, you know, if if people that are sort of doing the gigs and thinking, oh, I've got to... I've got to basically do exactly what is required of me mm-hmm. to get on. Mm-hmm. If anything, that they... I mean, they could be exceptions to the rule, but yeah. I think that's a classic example of you're actually better off doing something that's so different that I mean obviously some people do stuff that's so different they feel like I'm not touching that <laughs> but you know you find yeah. uh, but I think it's happened a few times I mean Stuart Lee's another example you know mm-hmm. like you know Stuart's sort of you know sort of the ultimate sort of comics comic but you look back at you know and I loved the fist of fun stuff but you know if you look back at that stuff it was all you know it was you know appealing to the younger people and, and then and Sean Hughes as well you know I mean like mm-hmm. Sean Hughes who you know, he, I mean, you know, now he's sort of become this, um, you know, he takes himself very seriously and he talks about his emotions and all the rest of it. But if you look at his early stuff, you know, he was a, you know, he's very good stand-up, he was great, but ultimately he appealed to teenage girls and he, you know, he was like, a, and then he was on a pop quiz and then he sort of packed in stand-up the first chance that he could get and he was all very... You know, he he sort of, you know, just went off and and then now he's kind of hit that point where he's gone, oh, actually, no, I want to do, you know, now he's, you know, talking about his feelings and that's how he's terrible. He's like, oh, whatever. I think one of the things I love about Ross is how he's built all of this himself hand kind of brick by brick over time you know later on we'll be talking about his work ethic and the way that he built up a live following and it's really extraordinary I mean obviously the landscape of comedy was very different when he started but he has absolutely from day one known exactly what he wanted to achieve and then stuck into achieving it hammer and tongs Um, I suppose it probably helps when you haven't got to write any sodding material Ross but uh, there we go Um, so I hope you're enjoying this um, we didn't get, needless to say, we didn't get uh, everything that I wanted to talk about. There's loads of stuff about uh, Meat Face, about his stuff on the Apollo, about how he handles panel shows, things like that. Um, lots more stuff to talk about. Um, and some of that we didn't get around to even in episode, uh, in, the, in the second half of this one. So what we'll do, we both agreed, we, we were happy to keep chatting. Except I had to basically stop the show in time for him to get to his gig on time that night. And by his gig, I mean a sold out show in a massive theatre. Um, so uh, we agreed that we'd do an, a, another, like a part two or a part one and a half, or part two B or something, um, when we can. So uh, maybe that'll be in uh, a year or so, or we'll we'll hook back up and uh, and see uh, what else Ross has to say because I'd be very interested to hear it. Now, I just wanted to tell you before we moved on uh, with the rest of this conversation, I went to a drag show the other night. Oh, prepared for me to get all excited. If you're on the Facebook group, you'll have noticed that uh, my current profile picture is looking fierce in a neon wig, which I thought would be a mistake. My girlfriend did an incredible job of uh, my makeup. And I have to admit, I surprised myself by how kind of moany and complaining I was when she was doing it. I feel, even, even me, even me, listeners, this is, uh, I'm sort of quite, <laughs> quite up for some of that stuff, as you know. Um, but I was all sort of, oh, I'm going to look stupid. I got there. We went to see Sharon Needles, who was uh, uh, a fantastic contender on uh, episode, season, f- what, four, I think, of RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, and uh, we saw her at the Black Cap in Camden. 
uh, for my girlfriend's birthday. And it was an absolutely mind-blowing show. If you've never been to a drag show, it's absolutely worth seeking out a, a really good one. And I just wanted to just take two seconds just to talk about... I mean, I'm, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm effectively advertising for free, mind. No money has changed hands here. Um, I just want to advertise RuPaul's Drag Race because you, many of you will know my feelings on reality shows. This is the only one I'm prepared to watch. I won't even watch Come Dine With Me. Um, but it, there is so much heart in this guy and, and in the show that he's created. Um, you know I like my secret societies and uh, subcultures and languages and stuff. If you watch this show, you will learn all about throwing shade, taking a trip to the library, what it means to be fishy, all of this wonderful subculture codification. I just absolutely love it. But and the reason I mention this, I'm not just waffling. I am waffling, but I also have a reason to mention this, which is that I genuinely think you can learn something about stand-up from watching a bunch of, I mean, I don't know what they start off, I think with 13 drag queens, uh, all men, nearly all gay, I think. Um, and you can learn something about the difference between their performative persona and who they are off stage. And it's almost because, you, because you're not watching it from a comedy point of view, it's very funny frequently, but you're not watching them as comedians. You can sit back. I felt I was able to kind of turn off some of my relentless analytical approach to stand up and actually get a sense of, oh, look, some of these performers, you can see them on stage giving it their all. And then others of them you can see on stage giving their all whilst showing a little bit of their real self, whilst showing some actual vulnerability. And that is something that I struggled with when I was on, I did a, a reality show that I talked about briefly with Prince Abdi last week uh, called Show Me the Funny a few years ago. And I really felt so caged by the, the, the confines of the show that I, you know, you weren't allowed to mention, I'll go into this at a later date properly, but you know, you, you're not allowed to, to mention the experience of being filmed ever because then it becomes too meta vortexy. So, not just an interview, but also performatively watching this. I can't recommend it enough. It's loads of fun. But watching the, the drag race show, you get a sense of, as I said, stepped back from a stand up perspective. You go, ah, this person is just being big and performing, whereas this person is being big and performative and sort of incandescent and, you know, sort of exciting and, and energetic. But you can also see right into them and there's a twinkle in their eye and just something in the way they perform. A subtlety that that you just I don't know, man. I really I <laughs> this is this there's there's no way for me to if you're listening to this thinking Stuart's talking about uh, going to see uh, a drag show or a reality TV show with drag queens. There is literally no link between this and uh, and comedy, but you're wrong. So check it out because I think it's a really good way of seeing. It's a really good framework within which to uh, uh, experience persona, which is something we talk about a lot. Um, I am very excited. In fact, uh, in, I found out this week that in Christchurch at the World Buskers Festival, which I'm doing in, uh, in New Zealand in January, one of the ex-competitors of the show, Jinx Monsoon, is going to be performing a show there as well. Uh, I am going to try and peg her for a chat. Obviously, I'm sneakily going to try and befriend her first, um, but uh, I will try and grab her and see if she fancies coming on the podcast. Uh, RuPaul will be bringing the drag race to the UK you're going to think I'm a corporate shill. I'm absolutely not. There's no, no one's paying me to say this, but I'm excited to try and get RuPaul on this show as well because he is a funny guy and a very, very savvy media operator. And in a, I find more and more with this show and the work I'm doing, 
and the the sort of the advice that some of you might be interested in, not that not that I ever deign to give you advice myself. I leave that to my guests. But I think the more I do the podcast, the more connected I am to the internet and the opportunities therein. I am just more and more convinced that it's all just there for us. It's just there for the taking for anyone that wants to pull their finger out and get connected and find a community online. I'm, I'm very excited about this at the moment. Thank you of, on that topic to a couple of people that emailed in to be my mega nerd. Uh, I'm going to be meeting a mega nerd tomorrow night. Um, and we have got between us, we're, we're going to talk about this, but there is a big webby project coming up for the show. I'm sorry, I know I'm going on, but it's important. Uh, we're going to try and make the Comedians Comedian podcast easier to find online, easier to share, easier to listen to on whatever platform you want. And this whole process starts with you telling me what you want. So please join the thread at the Comedians Comedian Facebook group and let me know how I could fit this show more snugly into your life. Hopefully, too, I'll make it easier to donate. Bam, there it is. Um, I'm going to freestyle the pitch today. I'm going to try and do it in even less than a minute. Here goes. Uh, if you're enjoying the show, thank you so much for listening I'd really appreciate a donation in support of it. Thank you to those uh, those of you who are doing that. And uh, some people now have started to, even though you can't do an official repeat donation through PayPal, you can uh, you can certainly go back to your computer every so often and pay me. So very, very uh, many thanks to people who've done that. Uh, I do respond personally to all the, all the donations, um, even if the bulk of that personal response has to be cut and pasted simply so I can write some jokes. But... Um, uh, I do personalise where I can, and I thank you very much for your donations. Go to comedianscomedian.com, click on the PayPal donate button, which I think is very easy to see, but someone did email me and say they'd been looking for it for ages and it had taken them ages, so maybe that's a, a change we'll make. Big red flashing button in the middle of the screen. Um, and you can donate a pound a show, 10, 15, 20 quid, whatever you think's appropriate. We're coming up for episode 100, so, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm tentatively hoping that uh, all of the rich kids out there have been saving up their £100 donations for a couple of weeks' time. Uh, when we'll be uh, releasing the Phil K episode that some of you might have already heard because I've leaked it in a sneaky way. Um, oh, it's a minute and seven seconds and I, I barely said everything I meant. But uh, if you can donate, then you're paying for the people who can't afford to donate. And I appreciate that. I'm sure they do as well. If you can't donate, just share it with a friend. I mean, I've stopped the clock. It doesn't count. Coming up in future episodes, Louisa Omulan next week. Brilliant conversation, followed by Phil Kay. We've also got Andrew O'Neill in the can. That's coming up soon. I'm going to Dublin to interview comic ex-street performer and now movie star David McSavage uh, on the 3rd of December at Trinity College. That's only for studios, but we're going to record and podcast that conversation. And this just in, Omid Jalili is coming up on the show as well. I'm recording that next week, so we'll sneak Omid in fairly soon as well. That is everything. Thanks for bearing with me as I rabbit about drag queens. I really recommend there's stuff to be learnt from looking at other forms and going, how does this person do it? How does that person do that? How can I apply this to add to my own stand-up practice? Now, back to... You didn't think I could out-talk Ross Noble, but apparently I can. Back to Ross. Do you, do you get to... Do you get to talk about your feelings on stage? Do you feel what what sort of self-expression do you have on stage other than you get to presumably have a whacking great adrenaline rush of like having a, a funny conversation with your mates when you're the funniest one and everyone's loving it? Yeah. Do you obviously there's there's that element to your to your shows because we again for people that don't know you you're very successful in the UK and in Australia and you're yeah. playing big big venues, you know, touring your own stuff with yeah. You know, able to to the extent you can employ five comedy mates to come yeah, in yeah, and be the touch paper pre gig. They do have jobs. Right? Yeah. I mean, they're not, they're not just, it's not entourage. <laughs> but you were. Uh, 
But is, is there an element to which you're expressing yourself other than simply getting pleasure from being funny? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, sometimes you know, the criticism that, that can be sort of levelled at me is, oh, you know, he doesn't really talk about sort of real things and, you know, how, you know, where's the dark side and all that stuff. But ultimately, I'm a very shallow person. <laughs> That's not, you know, it's one of those things where... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I sort of, you know, I'll talk about... Um, I mean, one, I'm not that interested in, you know, as a as a person, I'm not really that. I'm not. I'm not the sort of person that sort of bangs on about how they're feeling all the time, you know. And if I'm, uh, so is that is that is that the question? Is that the, is, <laughs> well, but but so no. I mean, it's one of those things where like I'll, um, you know, if I'm yeah, if I'm. Uh, Basically, me on stage is is pretty much it's exactly the same as me off stage, but I just dance around a bit more, and you know people clap at the end of things rather than just going oh really. So yeah, no. So I get to that. I mean, I have. I'm you know if you know like if I see something on the news and it's a you know a, a sort of a heavy subject, I can go on and I can talk about that, but nobody. Nobody will write a review of the show and go. Sometimes every now and again, but and I can talk about something, but I can talk about really serious things. But if people are pissing themselves laughing, nobody comes away going, "Oh well, he was uh, he shared of it," you know. And I can share things that are sort of, you know, perhaps a little dark or whatever. But nobody comes away going, oh, because I don't go, and now I will share this with you. Yes. I just go, oh, yeah, and, and because that's exactly the same as I am off stage. If I've had something like, you know, if I've had something horrendous happen in my life, I'm more than likely just to go, oh, you know, this thing just happened. And, you know, rather than going, oh, look at me, I've got this, I'll just kind of, so I'll, you know, I can do that on stage. And people go, oh, there he is, just, and half the time. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. I just think I'm being either just being stupid, or I'm, uh, you know, or they just, or they just go, oh, he's, he's just making that up. And I go, yeah. No, no, that really happened, you know. So yeah, I've got, I've, I've sort of got license because I'm just being myself. I've got license to do anything I want. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, but with, is that what you meant, or did well, you mean more, I'm more, just more about just about how you express yourself emotionally on stage? And was what the answer you seem to have given is that you don't need to express yourself, express your emotional depth, say on stage. You know, I'm just wondering about what you get out of it besides. Like listening to your gigs, they feel. I say listening. I've been listening to some on YouTube in the car. Illegally. Oh, right. okay. Um, no, no, that's, 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 that's um, right. Do you want to see the pictures of my kids? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> they need feeding. Right, no, <laughs> but um, I am joking, by the way. I'll just stack. I'll sack one of the staff. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, go on. Yeah, go on. Um, but the um, 
it seems to me that your gigs are like the the, the experience of you performing your gigs is more akin to like an extreme sport. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, and you're you're a quite extreme sport sort of person. Like you like riding a motorbike and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. racing and doing exciting, dangerous stuff. Um, do is is that similar to your gig? Is it like is there a sort of you know uh, adrenaline junkie feel to it? Because what I mean. And we, we can talk more about the, the writing process, yeah, yeah, such yeah, as that yeah, is, yeah, the creative yeah. process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it seems like there's, it's, I think to the casual observer, the gig is 100% free fall. Or yeah. 95% well, free fall of the story at the it's, end. It's interesting, you, it's interesting that you, you say that about, the, about that sort of adrenaline thing. I, I always liken, because uh, uh, yeah, I'm into motorbikes, it's quite a good analogy. In fact, that's what I do. Like, in the daytime, I've got, like, we've got me and my tour manager. Uh, one of the reasons he's my tour manager <laughs> is we have our dirt bikes and we go off and we find places. So we ride all day. And then, so if you ever come to one of my gigs, as happened the other day, and I'm doing a lot of stuff about people limping, <laughs> probably a reason why I, I did a gig the other night and I smashed my leg up. And all the way through the show, I had, like, Lizard people crawling around on this dish. Oh, I'll do that. That'll work. That's <laughs> <laughs> on the blue. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, people hop. There's a lot of people hopping and stuff. It's because my leg kept <laughs> kept going into a spasm. But it's it's it, if you watch the show, if you watch a show, to somebody who, uh, if people are putting themselves in my position, they're watching the show and they're going, "Oh my god, this is oh what if." And there's just this sort of like going, oh, but if if this what if this goes wrong? Oh, he's dug himself into a uh, dug a hole for himself. Oh, he's trying to get out of it. Oh no, he's painted himself into a corner. He's dug a hole and then painted himself into the <laughs> corner of the hole. And and they and and that to to the to the to the observer to the casual observer, they're putting themselves in my position. Going, you know, they they're sitting there looking around, going. 2,000 people in this theatre and what if I was in that position but that's not what I'm thinking yeah. in my head it's exactly the same as you know if you get in, you know driving a car riding a motorbike first time you get on a bike uh, you know trying to work out what all the levers and pedals and stuff you, you know you, you do it right you know and that you know it's like driving a car you know you're sort of like right is that finding the gear and then letting it and it's this like this clunky thing where you have to think about it, and then you're driving along, and you know, there's people going past you fast, and it's freaking you out. And then just slowly over time, you start to get used to it, and then you know, you get to the point where you're driving with your knees, and you're eating a sandwich, and you're changing a CD, and it's just that, you know. And then you, and then you've sort of hit the nail on the head. That thing, if you want to drive a bit faster, and it's not enough just to. You know, just to sort of drive down the road, you sort of there going, oh, I wonder what would happen if I, I wonder what happened if I just drove over that, and then yeah. it, you know, and it, it, it that that's the, um, yeah, and and also like you know, for me, if I'm if I'm on, and and you know, I'm and I'm on a roll, I want that audience to be, I want them to be like that, like keeping up with me, you know. There's yeah. nothing worse than going, blah, 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 and then going, well, you know, and just not being. Just the energy's not at the right. You want to be like that. You want to just be. So yeah, there's there's an element of that. But that's but that's not me going. That's not me going. That's not me walking on stage and going. I have to do something death defying. Let's go on stage and go. 
let's I, I've I've got this room full of people. Where, where can this go? What you know? What yeah. can I do with this? It's like a, um, you know, rather than rather than me going, oh, let's throw myself into you know, let's throw myself off a cliff. It's it's more just going, wee. It's that that's what it is. I go wee and just you know and just yeah, going with it. If that makes sense. Yeah. So. Just to continue, just to stay with this analogy of the of it as a motorbike or a car. If right, you, okay. as a young comic, are kind of getting onto the motorbike for the first time, yeah. and going right, these are the thing. What sort of uh, what sort of tools are we talking about? What sort of things are you learning between your hundredth gig and your five hundredth gig? What sort of things? What sort of structures are you using? Like, um, like for example, you, I might watch one of your gigs and go, okay, he's asked this person about that, he spent five minutes on this person, so that's yeah. a decision to have stayed with that for a long time. I've noticed you very rarely find out a thing without then, you know, if you ask someone in the audience what they do for a living, you very rarely go, oh, right, great, and move on. Yeah, you yeah. stay with it and oh, you, yeah, get, yeah. you mine it and you yeah, mine yeah. it. And then I might watch and go, okay, later you'll be in the middle of a, you know, 20 minutes later you'll be doing something else and you'll clearly go... There's a link here. Bang! Bring that in. Yeah. So yeah. do you know what I mean? So those sorts. But but those things. <coughs> the, the thing is though that those things change all the time. You know, that's just depending on mood. Like there's some nights where I'll talk to somebody and I think, you know, I'll be in the mood to talk to one person and do, you know, you know, like it's all about them. And then other times I think, oh no, I quite fancy flitting around a bit more. And, mm-hmm. and that's usually dependent on what the show has been the previous night. You know. Because uh, if I've sort of if it's been one thing, I kind of go, oh, I've got to, you know, I want it to be a different vibe. Otherwise, it can just get a bit samey, you know. So, so that so that is um, uh, so a lot, those decisions, they're they're changing all the time. It, it, can, it can be, you know, like sometimes if you do, sometimes if if there's too many things going on, people can over concentrate and they get tired so mm-hmm. sometimes you kind of want to but they're all like that's that's all the sort of instinctive yeah, micro yeah. decisions almost yeah you know, and yeah. sometimes i just think oh hang on, if i if i go into something i think oh this is you know if it, if it feels a bit sometimes i think oh this feels a bit obvious let's just so i'll deliberately just or I'll get into something i think oh this is working and i just kind of go Oh, this is probably going down this particular path, and I go, ah, yeah, stuff it, and then I go over. Sometimes I just get distracted or forget what I'm talking about, mm. and then. But the the thing is, all of that comes from, um, well, a lot of it comes from, and and you're going to love this when I tell you this. This is going to be this is you're 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 going to go. Don't say that. Don't say that. The regulars are going to be furious, right? But when I started, right, you ready for this? Uh, I was a street entertainer. Um, <laughs> turn off your device now. Um, so, so before I did stand up, when I was, uh, so I started doing stand up when I was fifteen, uh, and but before that, from uh, cut a long story short because people have heard this, but when I was when I was uh, when I was eleven. Um, I'm dyslexic. I was terrible at school. They didn't find out I was dyslexic until I was 11 or 12. And I realised at that point I was, you know, I could barely write. I was hopeless academically. So I decided that I was going to get a job where I didn't have to write anything down. And I thought, I need to get a, a job. I need to get some sort of skill that you can go, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it had to be an actual tangible thing. 
and I sort of racked my brain to try and come up with what that could be, and then um, uh, through a long, um, several sort of odd things that happened, I I sort of became obsessed with circuses. So I I learned to juggle and ride a unicycle, and then myself and a mate started doing. We started busking, and we uh, where was this? This this up in Newcastle. Okay, gotcha. And then so we would uh, we would go to. Um, we got to Newcastle and then we got a job with um, with a guy who sold balloons and we'd travel around the country. This is, uh, so then when we were 14, uh, we'd do kids' parties as well. And then so so from the age of like 12, I would like turn up in Newcastle City Centre, do a show, pass the bucket around, right? And, uh, you know, and then, um, I did, uh, there was a garden festival, Gateshead Garden mm-hmm. Festival, so I got a gig there and we entertain the uh, the queues of people who were coming in to, you know, like the queue up to go into like a healthy eating exhibition. Yeah. So we'd be on the stage and we'd do the show and then every five minutes the audience would go in and then another queue would yeah. line up and it was all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I became obsessed with um, uh, buskers and circuses and all that sort of stuff. So I did that. Uh, I did that until I was uh, 15 and then my plan was, I was going to move to London, and I was, I was all planned out. I was going to move to London. I was going to get a job as a toy demonstrator at Hamley, mm-hmm. right? Because I thought, well, that's it's the perfect, it's the perfect gig. So I was going to do that. Um, I was going to, I was going to get the gig doing that, and then I was going to become a, a, a busker in London, and I was going to get a gig with a circus. I was going to travel the world yeah. as a circus performer. Well, anyway, as it happened. I won tickets to see a comedy show, saw stand up, went that's the yeah. that's the, the gig, that's what I should be doing. Um so then I went to, I was gonna wait until I was eighteen, I thought stuff it, went and did a gig when I was fifteen, and I thought, well I'll just do it as a hobby until I'm eighteen and then I'll make it my job and then I'll move to London and blah blah. Anyway, when I was fifteen, I started getting gigs. So I did my first well, I did my uh, first open spot and somebody came up and went, oh, we've got a gig up the road. Yeah. Do you want a gig? So I went, all right then. So so I went and did that gig and then somebody at that gig went, oh, well, we, we run this other gig. So I went and did that, did an open spot. The next week I was comparing. Yeah. So it literally, like, it just, it just went, like, straight away. And then, so I spent, uh, I spent three years up in Newcastle just travelling around the country doing like uni gigs and and because I was start because I started in Newcastle because at the time there weren't any the, I think the, the glee club had just opened here in Birmingham that was the only like comedy club outside mm-hmm. of London so there was loads of gigs and there just wasn't enough acts and if you brought an act up from London it cost loads of money to, yeah, for the, okay. to put them up and all that so if you were up in the north it was like and it was still sort of the end of the um, uh, you know the sort of alternative thing. So you do gigs where it was like it was people like um, like loads of poets on, you know. So you yeah. like John Cooper Clark and John Otway and Hovis Presley and and even like Dave Gorman when Dave Gorman first started out, he was you know he was a poet and you know it was all okay. that, you know it was all that sort of it was still it was still very much you know the the idea of alternative comedy, even though it was the early nineties. This idea of you had Ben Elton and you had the Dickie Bow Tie Mob 
and, yeah. and Billy Connolly, obviously. Yeah. But, but so, so because of that, I was doing like I was like a regular compare. Like I used to do this gig in York, and it was mad. It was like you, you know you'd have sort of like it was people, you know Fred McCauley was big at the time, like Joe Brand and Lee Evans and all these people, you know, in sort of hundred seat a room in York, you know, mm-hmm. and. But all these people were coming. So these, so all I saw was the the the, the absolute best acts that were coming up from the London circuit, and then I mean obviously the locals as well. But but I just thought everyone in London was the. I just thought everyone in London okay, was yeah. phenomenal. It was just this weird thing. I sort of lived in this bubble of kind of you know I was seeing people like you know like like my early gigs it was like you know Boothby Graffo, Sean Locke, Harry Hill. Yeah, um, right. You know, Bill Bailey, well, still in the Robot Bishops, but you know, it was all these people who were like the absolute top of the circuit, you know. So I had this idea that London was this sort of like insane, like everyone in London was just, you know, knocking it out of the park, you know, the best acts you could get, you know. So I thought I'll stay out of London for ages. So because I stayed up in the north and I did loads of comparing, that's. W- I was going back to clubs really regularly, so I had this thing of of so my my idea, you know, it wasn't that thing of like I, I never fell into that thing of going. You get five minutes yeah. and you do your five minutes and you hone it and you hone it and you hone it. So it wasn't really the opportunity. I mean, you could, but it was that thing of like every gig you'd go. Oh, I'll come up with new stuff. I'll talk about something else. And it, 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 this idea of it, there wasn't. There wasn't any sort of idea of it being, you know, you work on your, your, your there was no, the idea of honing your act wasn't, yes. that was never, it was about how do I make this audience laugh? Sure. Rather than how do I create an act that, you know, yes. makes me. So it was only, you, the, the job in hand was only ever to make up something afresh and get them laughing. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. was just to go and do the gig. There was no sense of like, you know, or oh, this must be, incredibly honed because I need to get this gig again. And and, and obviously the, the people who are coming up from London, you are seeing these phenomenally, just these you know acts that were at the absolute top of their game. But at the same time, you, you still had the sort of remnants of the alternative thing where people yeah. were just turning up doing characters and you'd see somebody the next week and he'd come on with a bag on his head and then somebody would just, you know, he'd come on in drag and it was like, you know, there was people just doing all this sort of, just still what you would deem like alternative stuff, you know? So it was in this weird mixture of, so my kind of influences, sorry, I should probably channel, let me chuck that phone <laughs> So um, Ross has just thrown his expensive phone across his large hotel room. (laughs) Oh God, no! That makes me look like a right now, doesn't it? The fact that if anyone anyone would like to listen to the distance between uh, the noise of him throwing it and the noise of it landing, you can work out the size of the room. There'll be somebody that will do that. Um, And I nearly killed that horse as well. Um, So the so yeah, so that's basically so then. When I moved to London, 95, I arrived in London and went, ah, oh, we were only getting the best acts, yeah. you see. Actually, everyone here is less good than I thought, and I've been training in secret exactly. for years doing exactly. new stuff. Exactly, yeah. And then so... When I, I mean, just to, just to good, interrupt, yeah. was, was, did you have contemporaries in Newcastle who were thinking the same thing and, and learning the same way? 
Because it does seem like that's quite a specific... Like, surely everyone up north can't have been doing a completely new 5 or 10 uh, or 20 every time. No, but, um, but there was certainly... Um, there was certainly a, a sort of... Um, I'm trying to think who the... Who the uh, the other sort of people around in, um, uh, I think there was definitely a there was definitely a sense of of doing something. It was all about doing something a bit different. It was it was more it was more the feeling of, of that you get where people are working towards Edinburgh. Yeah. But without the idea of ever going to oh, Edinburgh. Oh, God, imagine know. how good the circuit would be if everyone worked it's... towards an Edinburgh that never happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of, uh, um, and then so, uh, so that's how, uh, so I was sort of trying to, sort of trying to explain it as quickly as possible. So I, I, so I got to London and then obviously because I'd been doing all the comparing and because I'd sort of, and, and that was the other thing, my early, my early, uh, act, you can still hear that phone <laughs> in the distance. Um, because my early act still had. The sort of leftovers from my juggling mm-hmm. at the time, so I would pull out some. Trip. You do props, I'm yeah, saying. yeah, no, I was a prop act. That's when I first. And a, in fact, there was one of those. There was a, there was a, a thing. Uh, oh, that was the other thing as well. Uh, probably about three or four months when I was fifteen, just after I started, and there was a guy. They used to Tang Tees Telly. He used to do kid shows uh, from Tang Tees. He came along and just went, "What oh, do you want to work on the show?" So I'd only been going about three months, and I was writing, I was writing and performing sketches on like live telly, Saturday morning kids TV. And, what and was the, the show? What was that? It was called? a show called Gimme Five, and it I feel was. Like um, I remember that. It was on at the same time as Going Live, which is why no one watched it. Yeah, okay. But it was sort it was of like, the ITV, yeah, yeah, the terrible, the terrible ITV version. It was with Nobby the Sheep. Yeah, and, I remember that. Oh my yeah, god, yeah, yeah. that's going back. So yeah, so I. Um, so I did that. So so all of a sudden I was just getting all this, you know, the the, the sort of. Did that have the vicious boys on it? Without no, that was five. get fresh. That was get fresh. Okay, it was get five, fresh sorry. with yeah. Gil, Gilbert the uh, <laughs> Gilbert the alien, um, and uh, so because of that, I didn't have that. I, I never had that idea of do your five minutes. You get your five minutes together, you do your ten, go to twenty, work your way up. It never happened. And then when I moved to London, I just hit the ground running because I turned up and everyone went, God, this open spot's good, isn't he? Yeah. And it, you know, yeah. and it's that thing of like, but I'd already spent I'd already you know, I'd already been up north just, you know, playing around. So so I so I got to London and then very quickly I was I got loads of work comparing, and then I started doing loads of TV warm up. This I was going to say. Someone told I think Acaster told me recently that you had kind of almost made a strategic decision to do warm up rather than commercial clubs like jonglers and yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, totally. the money was much better, and you get loads Far more better. stage time. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you, and you were in a TV studio as well. Yeah. So what I would do is I would I would do the I do the warm up, and then as soon as, as soon as they were ready to go. I used to hang around and just watch what was going on, mm-hmm. learn about, you know, just sort of get in the way. <laughs> just have, but, you know, that thing of just, like, watch what watch what people were doing, you know, watch the way that they were doing things, just sort of, you know, ask, you know, what, what is that? I and mean, then what's going on? Working out. And also just getting comfy in a TV studio yeah. as well, you know. Like, by the time... 
because I turned down telly. I just and partly because of the um, because of the whole kids TV thing, and I sort of realised what the way that telly works and stuff. So I just turned down everything, and then deliberately kept away from telly for a long time. And and part when you say the way the way that telly works, what was what was it that made you just you know just the fact that you know you've got to you know if you're well, it depends what you're doing on telly, but you know this, the 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 thing with telly is everything's done by committee. You know, you've got even things like you come up, you know, you come up with an idea, and you, you know, even if it's um, even if it's your idea, you know, even if you've got, even if it's your show, your idea, you know, your, uh, you know, you have the final say over it. It's still got, you've still got to explain that idea to, you've still got to explain that idea to, you know, the direct, even if you're directing it yourself, you still have to explain to all the camera guys what's happening, say how it's going to be shot, mm. how it's going to, you know, you've got to tell the lighting guy what, how you want it to look and all of it. So all of these things, you know, it can be good, but also, you know, if you're doing a show that isn't your show, it's very easy for, you can do the most brilliant, um, you know, you can do the most brilliant thing on the night in a studio and all it takes is for the idiot that's editing it not to just to to have no timing and mm-hmm. you look like you're not funny you know mm-hmm. so it just sort of made me realize that you've got to if you're not careful and also telly's it's um you're not your own you know you're not your own master in telly you know it's one of those things where it it um uh your the decision isn't being made on whether or not something's funny or not it's so many other factors that are that are coming into play, you know, but the the by the time I by the time I did do telly, I'd done so much time doing warm ups that you know I could walk into a TV studio and whereas a lot of people would be going, oh my god, there's cameras on and there's a thing and, yeah. and there was a sense of occasion. There was no sense of occasion for me at all because I just walk in and go, I've been in this room hundreds of times before, and these are the same these are the same crew and they you know. And then somebody else is doing the warm up, and you sat there going, "Well, they're doing the work," and you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and I d- I did that. I decided that um, I would do. Uh, I mean, I'd still do the. I still did the commercial clubs, but just not again. I wasn't a slave to it, you know. Yeah. It just sort of like if I did three, if I did three warm ups a week, that was the, um, you know, that was the. That I could live off that, it's, mm-hmm. you know, and you know that that you know. So uh, so I did that, and then um, and then through doing the warm ups, then when so then when it came to then when it came to me doing my own show, I wasn't. It's one of those things where I kind of done it all on my own terms. So by the time I was doing a show, I wasn't sort of I, I was a. You know, arguably, you know, you could say it would have been much slicker if I'd have gone a different route. But that's just, I just got used to doing it a particular way. And then and then I started doing my own shows and then there wasn't that sense of going, oh, you know, I wasn't going, oh, it has to be this, this and this. It was just, it, it, it is what it is, you know. Did you find, um, 
that you did get noticed by TV production people doing warm-ups? Because yeah. it's every comic's nightmare is that, you know, I don't forget the story, I forget who this happened to now, I've talked about it with a couple of guests, um, that they would come along and go, oh, we need a comedian, you're a comedian, do you know anyone? Oh, okay. right, because there's this sense that actually as a warm-up I've, found, I mean, I've done lots of warm-up of different sorts and sometimes you feel like oh I'm, I'm a member of the sound department and the people in the production box aren't even listening to my feed they're not but that's, but that's what you've sort of got to realise is the fact that like I try whenever I'm doing a show I try to go down a bit earlier and at least watch the you know, at least say hello to the warm-up you know yeah. uh, see what's going on see you know see what the vibe is in the room but no, and I used to kind of go, oh, the warm-up's like the lowest of the low. You're not, it's just nobody, you're, you're dead right. No, nobody's sitting in the gallery thinking about, you know, the bloke that's changing the batteries in the no, right. in the, 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 the microphone. It's not that they don't think you're, you know, it's not that they don't think you're doing a great job because, you know, if you have a terrible warm-up, everyone knows about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But it's just that thing of like, you know, and it's, you know, if you, if you sit, if you, you know, if you go and sit in a gallery... You know, during while the show is being recorded, I can't hear the warm up. It's, it's it's just it's just background noise. All they can hear is the audience laughing. Nobody's going. Oh, I wonder what he's doing. So mm. it's not it's not that. They... So the so the value to you was in actually just acclimatizing yourself to a studio, learning all of that stuff, yeah. rather than any kind of career advancement. Yeah, but but actually, it worked. The op- it, it had the opposite thing. I started getting offered work because people would go, "Oh, he's good." So all of a sudden, I was being offered like it was like I was being sort of uh, the doors were opening with telly people, but to do the sort of things I didn't necessarily want to be doing, you know. God, what it sort was, of things? Well, just just sort of like you know, I used to do um, you know, like if I would do a, a warm up for a, a panel show, and then I would be offered the chance to go on that panel show, and I would turn it down, and they would go, "Why?" And I go, because that's not really what I want to do. That's not my, you know. And that's quite, that was quite tricky when, you know, people would go, oh, wow, yeah, we think you're great. Come and do it. And I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, that's a really brave decision. You can, I mean, we can see now that you've reaped the benefits of that. But uh, because you are someone that does it on your own terms, that tours yeah, on your own yeah. terms, that lives where you want to live, and you know, dirt bikes during the day, you know, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. you know, you've made, you've made a, a, exactly. It sounds like you've made exactly the life and the career. That yeah, you no, want no, hundred, hundred percent. How did you, how did you turn it down? How did you say Be- to someone, "Hey, thanks for the opportunity. I know I'm a comic, and you book comics. I don't want to be on your show." Because, uh, partly because of what I learned in, you know, having done telly very, very early on up in Newcastle, and partly just because, you know, I'm a raging megalomaniac <laughs> who felt that that was beneath me. But um, how, did you actually, how did you actually say say to the casting people or to the producers? Did you, did you, you just had to look them in the eye and go, oh, guys, thanks, but it's not my thing? No, no, yeah, yeah, basically. I just, well, I just I just did that thing. I'm just going, I don't do telly. Yeah. And, they, and they go, what? What do you mean you don't yeah. do telly? And I just, well, I don't really do Suddenly telly. Suddenly there is an enigma but, over yeah, this no, young no, guy. But, and yeah. it wasn't a thing, you know, and it was sort of... Uh, um, uh, yeah, it was. It was. It, it was just that thing of I when I started out, I knew that I that all I've ever wanted, um, you know, since the early days, is I've wanted to tour. I wanted to be a touring comic where you know the people who the people that you know like growing up, I didn't you know I used to love the TV comics, but the people who I loved were people like Billy Connolly and Jasper Carrot and. You know, the the you know people who didn't 
like people like Richard Digens and people like that who were who went on in a theatre with a room full of people and did their show. Mm. And that's that's all I've that's all I've wanted. You know, you know, I I wasn't thinking, oh, well, that could that could get me this, that, or the other. It was never a stepping stone for me. It's all that's always been the end. That's always been the end game. And and I sort of and the other thing is as well. What I realised is that whatever you do on telly, if you get known for that, it's very hard to then. You know, it's in a way, and I'm not slagging him off at all. But it's like Russell Brand, you know, like you know, you know, Russell Brand is now decided that that he's going to be Lenny Bruce or Bill Hicks or something, and it's one of those things where that's very difficult if if you've got famous for mm-hmm. presenting Big Brother spin-off shows, you know, shagging supermodels and 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 being a, a frivolous. You know, being some sort of, you know, if you got famous not for your hard-hitting stand-up. Yes. That's not to say that. I I, I think no. Russell's brilliant and I sure. love him a bit and I think he's an incredibly talented bloke. But it's the same way that, like, you know, you know, if you're going to be, you know, if, if you want to be a movie star, then probably best not doing a soap. I mean, I know there's exceptions yeah, to the rule, yeah, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, you know it's Russ, almost like what Russell Russ. needs to do is go go into the desert for ten years, and then when he comes back, he's allowed to exactly because yeah. yeah. But it's it's sort of like you have to, you know. And some people can sort of reinvent themselves, but it, it's it's got it's this is going back to Sean News. I'm going to get so much trouble for this, but you know, it's one of those things where you have to set your stuff, and it's one of those things where now if somebody comes along and sees my show. And goes, and just go. Hang on a second. This is just, this is just a bloke dicking about for a couple of hours. The only reason that that's acceptable is because it's not like it's not like I never did stand up, and then I was on I don't know whatever the Strictly Come Dancing or something, and then went. Oh, I think I'll do. I think I'll do that now. It has. I just think it's one of those things where, and I sort of knew back then. That if I became, you know, if I became one of those sort of ubiquitous sort of TV faces, that then ultimately that's all you end. You, you know, yeah. it's very hard to break out of that. It's know? integrity, basically, is what you're describing. People it's, come it's, and it's, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> but, you put it like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it is. If people come to people know what they're going to get. I mean, they know. I don't mean to suggest that that's yeah, yeah, boring. No, 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 they no, they trust you. Exactly. And the yeah, more yeah. of your stuff I've watched and listened to, the more I realise that the yeah, this is going to sound. Let me let me pick my way around this sentence. Cool. The content doesn't matter because it's <laughs> no, you. Right. It's you. Yeah, That's yeah, what no. we want to see. Exactly. We want to see you overreach yourself or appear to yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. get things together. We want to see you jump off the cliff. We want to see you yeah. save yourself at the last minute. But integrity again, integrity. You know, but because it's again, it's one of those things where. You know, I'm not one of these people that would, you know, look at somebody that does adverts and, and, you know, corporate gigs or whatever and sort of go, oh, you shouldn't do that. Personally, you know, I've done the odd voiceover in the past, you know, like my ceiling fell in at one point and I was a bit skint at the time and I went, I really need, I need a couple of grand to fix that ceiling that I don't need. So, you know, I was the voice of a talking remote control for a cable and satellite week, you know, that's, 
you know, I don't have a problem with people sure. doing that sort of stuff. But it's just also, that for you, it doesn't fit it into just doesn't the fit. plan. Because yeah. also as well, from my point of view, you know, like at the end of you know, at the end of the show, you know, when I open it up and ask if there's any questions, you know, if if I'm the face of you know, if I'm the face of uh you know, Dairy Lee Dunkers, you know, I don't you know, I don't work. I can't walk down the street and have people like going, hey, Dairy Lee. Yeah. Because it just completely undermines the, yeah. you know, anything you anything you do, I think you've sort of, you've, you have to live with it because you'll, ne- you know, you'll, you know, you will never live it down. You know, it's like, like Lenny Henry, you know, and I, you know, I loved Lenny Henry when I was a kid and, you know, I think he's, you know, he's done Shakespeare and he's, you know, he's done all this sort of like, you know, he's he's been... He's been this massive, uh, you know. He's done Hollywood movies. He's done stand-up. He's just all this. And now he's the bloke off the premiere in advert. Yeah. And that's and as soon as you do, and it's fine. And I've got not, you know. And it's one of those things where I really like Lenny Henry. I think he's an incredibly talented bloke. But it's one of those things where, for me, if you know, if I walked out on stage and I have to deal with, I have to deal with people. Boy, oh, it's premiere in. Yeah. Where, where are you staying? <laughs> You know, uh, so that you know, you've you've just got to live, and 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 that's that's my approach to that's my approach to every every decision I make in terms of like career wise. It's all based on it's you should never do anything for the money or the fame because as soon as you start doing it for that, then it's completely you you it it will always you'll always come across that. Because because it's just the you know you just go and it's the wrong way to do it you know so I always bet every decision I do is is this going to be fun and how is this going to affect it is this in the long run if I do some if I do a TV show that is that is going to for example right if I get offered a telly show that's going to reach an incredibly broad audience I have to look at that and go. The, the 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 downside of that. I know a lot of people look at it and go, "Wow, if I do this, loads of people will see me and they'll buy a ticket." Yeah. I look at it and go, mm, "If I do this, loads of people will see me and buy a ticket." You don't mm-hmm. want those people coming along because if they think you're hilarious as the wacky neighbour in a sitcom, if you come they're out, they're going to come you, along and be disappointed. Exactly, because yeah. that's not what they're going to get. And it's Smart. it's a very, you know, it's a very fine line between, you know, you can like for example. There's people who can walk down the street and be constantly, like, you know, constantly hassled all the time. Can't sell a ticket live, yeah. you know. And that's and that's the, you know, that's that's the sort of, you know, that's that's that that's the sort of the the tricky. That's the tricky thing of when you get into, you know, when you get into that. that that's what I mean by you got to be careful with telly because it's brilliant. But at the same time, it's a, you know, you've got to, it's a, it's a, you've just got to be careful because telly's not interested in what it can do for you. It's all about just going, all right, we'll have that. That's it's, it just, it just feeds it, you know. And and it's, it's exactly the same as a live thing. You have to let it work for you, you know. It has to be, it has to work that way around. So. So that was Ross Noble. Uh, Part two coming up next week, so I'll speak to you then. Thank you very much to Olivia Phipps for the Podmin, Nathan Wood for co-production, and thanks to Ross for being so forthcoming and totally ignoring his salad niçoise in order to talk to me. And that's all for now. I was far too chatty early on. Tweet me at ComComPod 
Email me info at comedianscomedian.com if you like, and I will speak to you next week. Bye for now. Thank you.